You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Happy Tuesday, a taco Tuesday, if you will. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt Miguez, once again, happy Tuesday. Um, Today, on this awesome edition of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, we got a lot to talk about. You know, we're still reeling from the Saints draft. Tyron Matthew signed his contract today. What's next for the Saints? What's next for the Honey Badger? You know, we're still talking baseball, college and pro. Last month of the year for college. Coming down to that that final stretch before the postseason. What do the Cajuns, Tigers, and Cowboys have to do to to find themselves in postseason contention? And a whole lot more that we're going to dive into. 706-0111 is the number for the game hotline. And here in Acadiana, you can watch the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. I'll bring in the producer extraordinaire and co-host with the most, Mr. James Mesh. James, what's going on? I just got devastated. Why? Marcus Smart's out for game two tonight. Oh, no. Literally just got the text. <sighs> that hurts. That's a blow. That that That's not optimal. That He said that's not optimal. <laughs> right right thigh contusion. Yeah, he, he got hurt in game one, He right? got hurt multiple times. Right. Him and Robert Williams got hurt multiple times <laughs> in that game. That, that's, that's a tough blow. Yeah, that's not great. Wow. That is not the news that I was expecting to hear out of you. Okay, well, other than that, how's your Tuesday? It's been all right. Yeah, that's yeah. good. That's good. Um, So, a couple things that, I'll, um, that we're going to dive into today. We're going to do a prospect analysis of DeMarco Jackson, the App State running uh, linebacker that the Saints drafted in the fifth round. We've got David Ware of App State Mania, who's coming on at 4.30 to to dissect that, you know, go over his stats from last year, go over his combine, what he's going to bring to the table in New Orleans, what kind of person is he off the field, you know, things like that. We're going to get into all that. Uh, at 5.30, we're going to do our regular Tuesday to the moon segment with Brian LaLima from Apollo HOU and Sports Radio 790 in Houston. Astros getting a big 3-0 win last night. Man, Jeremy Pena is tearing it up. The kid is on fire. They'll look to bounce back tonight. They'll look to add on to the win streak tonight against the Mariners. Uh, Hannah Five names his favorite team. She wasn't too happy today that, that her Mariners lost last night. But that's, that's quite okay. Uh, today's poll question. How do you grade... The Saints draft. Do you give it an A? Do you give it a B? Do you give it a C? Or do you give it a D or lower? James, where are you at? I'm sitting at the A. Yeah. A, A minus. Can't say it's a perfect draft. I'd say it's really good because 
You got Chris Olave. Did you have to trade up for him? Yeah, but it's not like you had to go from 29 to 7. It's not like you had to make a huge jump. It. You did what you had to do to get the guy, and you can't fault somebody for doing that. You got the receiver that you loved, that you needed. You got the tackle that you wanted. You did move. You did kind of, I, I guess you could say, reach for a corner when most people had him going yeah, in you, the fourth or fifth you, round you in Alante re- Taylor. You reached for Alante Taylor. You did. But uh, to me, anything after day one, it's not a big deal. It's it's not. The way I see it. Because everything's pretty much free game after that. It's unpredictable at that point. You never know exactly. So uh, I'm not, I don't fault them too hard for that like maybe some others do. Right. I'm kind of whatever on Jordan Jackson, Air Force. He's a depth piece. He's a, he's a potential depth piece. But I and they could put him at defensive tackle, but I would rather get someone who's more established. I would say. Agreed. Cuz you got a lot of young bodies already. If you get someone who's a little more established and sign him to a multi-year deal, I, I would prefer that. So that's whatever to me, so I would say A A minus. Yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm gonna go there. A minus, probably B plus. Because it's range. not you don't have to have ten picks in the draft to have if a good you, draft. Yeah, if right. you have, if you have, it's it's more about the quality than the quantity. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, and I think that all five picks are gonna come in and, and do things for the Saints organization. Seventy one percent of you say A. Twenty nine percent of you say B. Ton comments on Twitter and says, I thought they did great. And then so far we have two comments on the Facebook page that say A. We'll talk about that a little bit more. We'll talk again, you know, DeMarco Jackson. We'll dive even to DeMarco Jackson. We're going to do one on Alante Taylor later in the week, Trevor Penning, and Chris Olave. We're going to dive deep into all four of them this week. We'll obviously talk more about it tomorrow with Brendan Ertle for Hoot at Wednesdays. But, James, you know, you brought up the, the Marcus Smart news. How are you How are you feeling about, about your Celtics game two tonight? Not good because the way the Bucks play defense, they don't allow you in the paint. And they're, they're going to have to get used to the length and the physicality that the Nets did not present. Nets Nets played a lot of short lineups. They weren't very physical. They right. kind of just let a lot of stuff go by. They did have points where obviously they scored because I mean that's the only identity that they have. So it's going to take some getting used to. It, it, you got to make up for it soon. It, I wasn't feeling super great about it. You have to get at least one in the garden, obviously, but. It, I don't feel as good anymore now that Smart's going to be out. And I don't know how limited Robert Williams is now. So according to Shams, he is out for game two with a, what's the wording? A thigh contusion. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I told you about it. That's just... I could go on a soapbox uh, about that. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that a bruised thigh doesn't hurt. 
No, it definitely hinders your walking. But it's a bruised thigh. You, you, you can't take some Advil and get a massage before the game and fight through it? I mean, it's the playoffs. The second round of the playoffs at that. I don't know. that. That's not a great look for uh for for Marcus Smart for the Celtics. Especially if you end up losing tonight and go down 2-0. Go back to Milwaukee down 2-0. Yeah, it's not looking good. That that's not great. That's certainly certainly not great. Once again, the game hotline 706-0111 if you want to call into the show, talk Astros, Cajuns, Tigers, Saints, Pels, Anything really, McNeese. Now, here here's another you know national topic that I that I saw that I kind of want to get your um your thoughts on, and it has to do with NFL draft grades, and this is NFL draft grades from Mel Kiper. He's got the Atlanta Falcons. I want to get your thought on this. He had the Atlanta Falcons as a B-plus draft. Do you agree with that? Do you think the Falcons had a B-plus draft? I don't know as many of the players deeper into the draft like Kuiper does, but a B? I, I never really saw any moves that they made. That really moved the needle. I expected Drake London to be the number one receiver off the board because that's because that's where it was trending. I don't necessarily believe that he is the best, I would say. I think he'll be a solid piece, but none of the moves really right really stuck for me. So B B's an okay. I would have more gone B minus C plus. Uh, the the B's a little high for me. He's got the Saints at a B minus. A B minus. Mm. The that, only that one's... the only issue with the Saints day one is all the capital it took to add these two prospects. Even if they will end up being starters, they had they had better play like above average rookies early and often. To me, that doesn't matter. I mean, how often do you see? the third and fourth rounders get pissed away. Like no, most true. prospects day three are most of the time they, they don't make the roster or they, they do make the roster, but they're not effective. Like I said, you got to do what you got to do to get your guy. Yeah, no, for sure. So I'm, I'm not mad about the capital that the saints had to give up. No, I thought it was a smart move. You gave up a third and a fourth to move up five spots and make sure you get your guy. Like, I, like I have a question. Would you rather Jahan, jo- Jahan Dotson and two other names that you probably never heard of and that may be another case of the Saints made a weird selection? You know what I mean? Right. Or would you rather have Chris Olave? Chris Olave. Okay. Every day of the week. Exactly. So Every day of the week. To me, it's it doesn't matter. Like, you go get your guy – when you can. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, we'll stay on the topic of the NFL draft. 
in the second segment, we will dive deep into each of the raging Cajuns that were taken into the NFL, talk about what they're going to do in the league. And yesterday we had a conversation with raging Cajuns head coach Michael Desermo gave his thoughts on the draft process. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Today is the day that you join the Game Clubhouse. Not only is it free to join, but you will get the chance to enter to win some tremendous free gifts. How does a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse sound? You can only score that $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. So go sign up today. My amigos, James Mesh, welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh here on the game. Interesting news came across the Twitter timeline during the timeout. According to Ross Dellinger, college leaders are planning a crackdown on NIL collectives. Officials are exploring guidelines that reinforce that boosters are prohibited from recruiting. Schools not monitoring donors will be sanctioned for violating existing bylaws. And then Dellinger goes on to say the guidelines could be coming as soon as next week. And they are a sign that the NCAA may begin deeper investigations into NIL-related pay. Things could get interesting there. Because you, you can't tell me that you know a lot of these kids that are transferring, a.k.a. a, a Caleb Williams or... Maybe even even on Montreal Johnson, you can't tell me that there wasn't a, a, an NIL deal involved with that. That is that is a very interesting concept that uh, could kind of tow back the the NIL deal a little bit, the NIL process, if you will. Game hotline once again seven zero six zero one. One one hotlines ringing. Jamie joins the show. What's going on, Jamie? Hey, good afternoon, Mr. Miguez. How you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, man. How are you? I'm doing all right, man. Look, I uh, wanted to go in on the poll question, but this topic about the NIL, uh, you know, I mentioned it last year. And it's this. They didn't have anything in place. So what do they expect to happen? All of a sudden, you got guys that can make money any kind of way, and if you don't have anything in place, you're going to have people doing what they're going to do. So I don't see how they could come in now and say, oh, no, 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 you, you can't do this. You've already had a year. You should have figured this out before now. Right. So it's going to, it's going to be a, a, a hard time getting that cleared up and getting that taken care of, but we'll see what happens. Um, but I wanted to go in on the Saints. I think they did a pretty good job with their draft, uh, all things considered. But uh, more importantly, or around here is, you got some Cajuns that got picked, man, and – I think they're both. I think they were both steals. I think that uh, Percy's going to be a plug-and-play player over in Washington. I mean, they certainly need help all across the board. And uh, Max, he was—he's—he's he's a stud. And so the Jets, 
man, their their draft this year, holy cow, it was amazing. So I think that he's going to be a plug and play, and I think he's going to be instrumental in them having some success this year. So kind of want to guess all that. Yeah, you know the. The Cajuns that got drafted, you know, you look, you mentioned Max Mitchell, just an absolute freak, you know, on the offensive line. I had him going late second, early third. Uh, I really thought that, I mean, according to Pro Football Focus, he was the top graded tackle in the draft. Uh, so I, the Jets really got lucky getting him in the fourth. And then Percy, I mean, God, Percy's just a freak, a freak athlete. And he's a ball hawk in the secondary. And, you know, Daniel Jeremiah, a, a NFL Network draft analyst, called Percy the best free safety in the draft. I, and I would agree with that. I think he's a, a little bit undersized when you get to the NFL, but I don't think that's a detriment at all for him. I mean, that gives him a chip on the shoulder. He's right. going to be fantastic. But uh, I appreciate you guys taking my call. appreciate your time. And uh, I'll be listening in. We'll talk at you guys later. Thanks, Jamie. Appreciate you. Yeah, you know, talking about Max Mitchell and Percy Butler, the the thing that I thought was pretty cool is that how closely they went together. I mean, Max got picked 111, Percy got picked 113, which was insane because if you looked at a lot of mock runs, Percy wasn't going until the 6th or even the 7th, or some people had him not at all. So the fact that he went early in the 4th is it's pretty it's pretty crazy it's pretty special and uh, yesterday at the weekly press conference head coach Mike Desermo talked about Percy Butler and his career at UL and what he's going to be able to do at the next level Percy really helped himself tremendously uh, throughout this whole process I think his testing obviously in Indianapolis was huge his Wonderlic scores were really good from what I was told and then his workout here was impressive so he helped himself tremendously throughout the whole process really went up my experience with this, right, is that the scouts, they give you a range, and you never go to the front end of the range. It almost always ends up being towards the back end. Well, Percy was a guy we were told was sixth round to priority free agent, and he goes in the fourth round. So he just, you know, everything that he did and the work he put in leading up to that process really helped him. And then on top of the two players that were drafted, you had Farad Gardner go to the Commanders. You had Chauncey Manak go to the Packers. You had Levi Lewis get signed by the Seahawks. And then you had Taylor Humphrey get invited to rookie minicamp. So that put six new Cajuns, quote-unquote, in the NFL. Last year, you put Elijah Mitchell. The year before that, you put Robert Hunt and Kevin Dotson. Tracy Walker, Elijah McGuire. I could, Raymond Kale, Trey Regis. I could go on. Coach Dez was asked, what does it mean for a guy like him who's been involved with the program for so long to have so many Cajuns recently be in the NFL? Well, it's just a point of pride, you know, that these guys chose to come here and that these guys came here and did it the way they did it and got the opportunities they did. One of the things to me is just a lot of these guys, we, we recruited them obviously through high school, and a lot of them didn't have a whole lot going on truly under-recruited, didn't have a ton of opportunities. We trusted what we saw, we believed in it, and then we have a bunch of coaches here that work their tails off to develop these guys. And certainly, those kids come in, they've got way more ability than what a lot of the experts thought, but they've got the grit and the determination to come in here and work the way that it requires to get where they want to go. So there's just a lot of stuff that goes into it, and 
you know, a long time ago, I remember, you know, preparing for that opportunity and feeling like, you know, everything led up that you've done your whole life led up to one day. So to me, getting to see these guys do it, knowing the type of people that they are, it feels so good to know that we got to make a difference in their lives and we got to help them achieve something that was obviously significant to them. And, you know, the the cool thing, and Des kind of touched on it just a second ago, Desermo went through this process as a player. You know, when he graduated from UL in 2007, 2008, he he was eligible for the draft. He went through the draft process. He spent some time on the, the Jacksonville Jaguars roster. So he's he knows how how stressful and how grueling, you know, the whole pro day draft interview testing, you know, that whole process how grueling and stressful it could be. So it was probably very invaluable for these guys to have their coach know that process and be able to give them advice and share what he thinks that they should do. One guy that didn't get drafted, he signed a priority free agent deal with the Washington Commanders, and he's probably going to make a lot of noise there. And it's Farad Gardner. Uh, Farad was a instrumental part of the Cajuns defense for four years and he's going to make the Washington Commanders incredibly happy not to mention he he's going to join a Cajuns teammate in Percy Butler here's coach Dez on the all-conference linebacker well you know he he had a little bit of a pass that's Farad's the guy that the that Washington was high on from the beginning Unfortunately, he had a little bit of an injury kind of in training, nothing serious, but he didn't get to participate in pro day fully. I mean, I think testing, the testing numbers that he would have put up would have probably helped him. But again, it's the opportunity, right? And, you know, and, and he and I kind of talked about it a little bit and he's excited about the opportunity. So, you know, I, I do think that those guys made a huge impression throughout this whole process on these teams. And, um, you know, it's, I mean, look, it's a hell of an investment that these teams put in these players whether they're drafted or they're free agents. I mean, it's a lot of time, a lot of energy, I mean, a lot of money at the end of the day. So, you know, they do their homework and they they find these guys and they see qualities in them that they think fit their organization. And I'm, I'm just, I'm thrilled to death for our guys to get those opportunities because I know the investment that it is. And then lastly, you know, you talk about Levi Lewis, a guy who is going to go down as the all-time touchdowns leader in Cajun's history. He was 12 yards short of passing Jake DeLome for all-time passing yards. And he, he wound up with the Seattle Seahawks, a team that knows how to take smaller, undersized quarterbacks with crazy high football IQs and turn them into winners, a.k.a. Russell Wilson. Levi Lewis has the leg speed, he's got the footwork, he's got the arm to, to really be a, a valuable piece to Pete Carroll's offense. And here's Coach Des on, on Levi. You know, a lot of the stuff that we did offensively was stuff that we studied from the Seahawks. You know, obviously when Russell Wilson was there, uh, similar type of players and quarterbacks and, and some of the protection schemes and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, you know, they've had a similar type quarterback, you know, that's built into what they do. Um, you know, Coach Smith and Coach Joseph, who's over there, they are both got strong Louisiana ties. Um, they like Levi the whole way through. So, you know, you feel really good about him and the opportunity he's got to go over there. You know, and like I said, I mean, you know that a large portion of their playbook is stuff that, that does fit what Levi has been really good at for us and stuff he's done before. So, you know, I think any kind of 
familiarity or any kind of uh, edge or advantage that you can have when you go into that situation is certainly a good thing. And for him, you know, obviously it's going to be, you know, language differences, right? You know, what they call it, what we call it, but connecting the dots, you know, that's something he can certainly do. And I think that familiarity will help him a little bit for sure. Let's take a time out when we return. David Ware of App State Mania will join us, give you an in-depth look at new Saints linebacker DeMarco Jackson. What's he going to do for the team? Special teams defensively. Sunbelt Defensive Player of the Year last year. Played over 600 special team snaps in his career. How's he going to fit in in the black and gold? Crunch time with me guys in mesh right here on The Game. 103.7 Lafayette. 104.1 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. They could debate who should win the MVP. But they'd rather argue who has the best hair in sports talk radio. We just wash the hair. You know, I worked on my hair a long time and you, and you hit it. It hits my hair. Now back to more of the stylish crunch time with Miguez and Mash here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to take you out to the ball game with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Houston Astros take on the Texas Rangers on May 21st, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a ballpark tour, and hotel accommodations for that Saturday night. As always, Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, Lay Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. In the fifth round on Saturday, the Saints selected DeMarco Jackson, a linebacker out of Appalachian State. I am very familiar with DeMarco Jackson, having watched him play against the Louisiana Rage and Cajuns once a year for the last, or twice a year really, for, for the last you know four or five years. But we're about to talk to a guy that knows a hell of a lot more about him than we do. Mr. David Ware of App State Mania. David, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us, man. How are you? Hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Always good talking with you guys. So, you know, right off the bat, man, DeMarco Jackson, obviously Sunbelt Defensive Player of the Year last year, 119 tackles, 20 tackles for loss, six sacks, interception, second team all Sunbelt in 2020, first team a year ago. Talk to me about this guy. What can Saints fans expect out of DeMarco as a uh, as a fifth-round linebacker? Well, you know, I think first and foremost, I, I, I really have to start by saying you're getting a hell of a football player. You're getting an even better person. Uh, you know, DeMarco is a great, great guy. He's going to bring a lot to that locker room, and he'll be a benefit in that community as well. So, you know, uh, kudos for Kudos to the staff down there for, for figuring out what kind of character the young man has. As a football player, tough as nails. Um, you know, DeMarco is a guy that um, that I started covering in high school when he first committed to App State. Um, you know, watched him grow up over the years. His first couple of seasons at App, we had a couple of established all-conference linebackers already in place. And, you know, he came in and did it the right way. He, uh, he earned his playing time. He did a lot on special teams. He was a four-year special teams guy there. You know, even after he took over as a starter at linebacker, he insisted that he wanted to stay on the uh, the kick coverage unit. So that just tells you a little bit about his character, how committed he is to winning. You know, the, the things that are going to be the hallmarks of what you're going to see with him, he's uh, he's very athletic, very fast and mobile. 
Uh, a lot of people don't know DeMarco, in addition to uh, being a pretty good defender in high school, was also a 3,000-yard rusher. So, you know, he was working both sides of the ball. He's got some mobility, and he uses that range very well. Uh, you know, he's picked up some size, increased his, his strength and his power uh, over the course of time at App State. Of course, they'll continue to build that with him in New Orleans. But, you know, I, he's just one of those guys that has a lot of tools that he can use on the field. Uh, and I'm really interested to see, you know, what New Orleans wants to do with him. Is he, is he a Mike? Is he a Will? You know, look, just looking at the depth chart, I did an analysis piece on Sunday kind of looking at what his prospects were. And, you know, I see that behind Demario Davis, who is a great linebacker in his own right, uh, you know, there's some open space there. It doesn't look like they've done anything in free agency yet, really. And, you know, it seems like maybe they're leaving a spot open there to see how DeMarco translates. I think he could play either spot, truthfully. Um, but, you know, I, it will be interesting to see if he can kind of man that middle spot and, and that primary position that DeMario has had locked down for so long. You know, I've seen a lot of analysis on, on DeMarco Jackson that says he's going to be best suited to play the will in, in the NFL. Do you agree with that? Um, you know, I, I think the things – well, and, and, of course, you have, to, you have to really isolate it to each team's defense, all right? Just because everyone's playing a 3-4 or a 4-3 doesn't mean everyone's playing it the same way. So, you know, when I watched a little bit of New Orleans film before I did my analysis, I wanted to see how, how they were using each of those guys. And, you know, one of the things I noticed with the Will is um, they move those guys around the, the uh, alignment a lot. They're putting them on the corner. They're bringing some edge rush and that kind of thing. And, I, you know, I think certainly DeMarco can do that. Because the quickness, the quickness, the burst, the mobility are all things that are you know really natural for him. Um, you know the the challenge for playing that that Mike spot is you know and this is what Demario Davis does really well. Um, you know is the stopping power at the point of contact. You know when when Demario gets the ball, the ball stops moving, right? And you know that's what uh, I think that's what a lot of the scouts were were wondering about Demarco is does he have that kind of stopping power? Demario plays about 15 pounds heavier than than Demarco does at this moment. Again, uh, I think New Orleans can help him you know kind of change that physical dynamic some. But you know I, I think yes I think he can play the will and maybe it's more natural to where his skills are right now. But I also wouldn't rule him out for playing in the middle. You know he he. He called defenses for app. He played a lot of that downhill ball in traffic. Um, you know, certainly there's going to be a big graduation when you're coming up to the pros, and you've got to get off of those kinds of blocks, and you've got to be able to stop an NFL caliber running back. But you know, at the end of the day, with his speed and his vision, I think he can get down there quickly enough, you know, to to kind of cut off momentum uh, early on. But you know, I, I don't think you could go wrong playing him in either spot. Uh, it's really just a matter of what New Orleans is looking for and you know how they want to utilize each of those positions. Chatting with David Ware of App State Mania, talking about DeMarco Jackson. You know, you, you, right off the top, you talked about how he's a great football player but an even better person. I've heard that multiple times about DeMarco Jackson. What does he bring to a locker room that just makes – what it, was it his upbringing? Like, talk about the way he's – everybody's talking about how great of a person he is. Yeah, you know, I think it's uh, it's it's humility, honestly. You know, Demarco, um, he's an interesting kid. So he grew up in South Carolina, and and his family uh, his family does farming. Uh, you know, they they have a cattle farm down there. Uh, I'm sure he was up at the crack of dawn working. You know, somewhere doing something that most of us would say, "Wow, 
that's a you know that's a tough way to grow up. But you know, for for Demarco, I know that he really valued growing up in kind of a blue collar environment where you had to you know where you had to pitch in. Everybody was a part of the family business, and you know, I, I think he carries a lot of that work ethic. Uh, and that, you know, kind of just keeping things simple, uh, you know, with him. And, you know, he's just, I, I don't know, he's just one of those guys that, listen, you can have great guys um, who are really flamboyant, they're trash talkers, they're all those things. Uh, doesn't mean you're a bad person, it's just how you get yourself juiced for the game. You know, DeMarco was just one of those guys, he can get pumped up too, but he's just, you know, he's just one of these soft-spoken, easy-to-be-around uh, wants to see everybody succeed type of players. And that's why he was a two-time captain at App State, too. You know, the players are the ones who vote, uh, who vote teammates into a captaincy. And, you know, when, you're, when you've got seniors on your team who respect you enough as a junior to give you that honor, that tells you a lot about that guy. So, you know, he's just one of those people that makes the other folks around him better. And, you know, he, he doesn't care where the credit goes. You know, he just wants to win. Again, you know, he, he probably could have asked off of special teams when he was, you know, when he was pulling, you know, 60, 70 reps at middle linebacker. But he insisted on staying on those units because it, he felt like it was important that he be out there to help the team. So, you know, I think that just tells you he's just kind of a selfless guy. And, I, you know, I think, I think people who are genuinely interested – in the collective rather than themselves are the ones who can bring the most to almost any dynamic, but certainly in a football locker room. Yeah, no, no question about it. I love to hear that. Now, David, you know, I, I'm familiar with App State, having covered the Cajuns for a few years now, and I, I understand that you guys absolutely love Mountaineer football. Now, what was the thought in Boone about DeMarco's draft process? You know, how was his pro day? How was his, like, the process as a whole? And did you guys see him going in the fifth round? Did you see him going earlier, later? Kind of talk about that. Yeah, I, you know, I, when it comes to draft projections, they're just so hard, you know, because you just don't know what teams are thinking um, and, and how they're feeling about things. You know, everybody's so secretive about it, and I understand why that is. You know, he, he had a really good week at the Reese's, Reese's Senior Bowl um, down in Mobile, and, you know, I think some teams really got intrigued with his ability to move, his, his ability to get to the ball. He started having interviews down there, and that's when, the you know, kind of the quality of his character comes through. Um, he was invited to the NFL Combine. He did limited stuff there. He ran a 40 and did uh, – I think he did the vertical and the, and the broad jump only. Um, and then he, his pro day at App State was, was really more, I think he had shown everybody physically what he needed to at that point, it, you know, in, in terms of measurements and things. Uh, it was really more about them leading him through some drills and, and watching him move and seeing him flip his hips and, you know, get out in space and those kinds of things. And he, he had a really good day that day as well. I, you know, I, I think the process was very good for him. Uh, but he's one of those guys that is able to kind of singularly focus himself to what he needs to be doing at any given moment uh, and not get distracted by the things he can't control. And, I, you know, I think that's one of the reasons he's successful as a football player is, you know, he can kind of zero in and take care of his business when it counts the most. And, you know, for guys trying to make it into the NFL, that's what it takes because, the you know, the the competition is incredible, and there are relatively few spots. So, you know, I would say his ability to just kind of, kind of take himself to exactly where he needs to be 
is probably what you know what led him to that. But you know, I thought fourth round was possible. Uh, I really didn't see him getting past the fifth round, and you know that turned out to be true. I, you know, the only disappointment for me as a uh, as a longtime Carolina Panthers season ticket holder is I hate the Saints. I hate you guys because you've given me nothing but misery <laughs> for about a decade now. But I am very happy to see Demarco down there, and uh, I hope he makes the absolute most. Uh, of being on that wretched team of yours. Well, you know, I I, I can't tell you to, to go buy Saints season tickets because they've been sold out for a very long time. But there's always room on the Saints bandwagon if if you wanted to join. Well, I tell you, I may I may take a uh, a closeted approach to that and uh, and cheer for cheer for Demarco on Sundays, uh, save maybe twice a year. Right, right. Obviously, when they're not playing Carolina. Yeah, uh, and and I'll be there in the in the Panther Stadium, probably cursing the entire game. But you know, maybe our fortunes will turn at some point. David Ware of App State Mania has joined us. David, I've got one more for you. You know, we've spent a lot of time talking about Demarco's strengths and the things that he does well and his character. Talk to me about his weaknesses in his game. What what's going to need to be worked on when he gets to New Orleans for minicamp in a couple weeks? Well, you know, I think the first thing is, and we talked about this a little bit, is just, you know, he, he is a, by linebacker standards, you know, certainly NFL standards, he's a little slight, um, you know, in, in terms of build. He's, you know, I think he checked in around 235, let's call it, uh, at, at pro day and at the combine, which is pretty good for him. And I will tell you, I mean, he is, he is put together, man. There's, there's nothing but muscle on that frame. Um, you know, it, it, when it's an everyday thing and, and you've got a strength and conditioning staff that can work him in the right ways to help him build up a little more, you know, if you could get him up 240, you know, uh, maybe a hair above that, yeah, he's going to be fine. He won't lose any quickness or, or speed that way. Um, you know, he, he just, you know, you, you need to be able to come downhill, like I said, and have stopping power at the point of contact. And, you know, that's one area that I think, um, that I think they can help him with. Um, you know, and that same thing kind of applies to getting off of blocks. Um, you know, the Sun Belt has got some awfully good teams in there, and we saw a number of Sun Belt offensive linemen get drafted this year. In fact, uh, you know, I, I think there was there was one in particular from the Cajuns that I recall that I'm glad to see gone at this point. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I think that I think just it'll be technique stuff, it'll be detailed stuff. You know, we have a very good linebacker coach; he's our defensive coordinator as well. Played at Tennessee himself. Um, that knows how to teach our guys, and that's why we've had an all-conference linebacker every year since we joined the Sun Belt. But, you know, it's like anything, I think, honestly. Um, you know, as you go up in the level of competition, you need to take your game up. And, you know, some of that is, are, are things that you have to do uh, physically. Some of those things are technique, and some of it will be mentally, you know. But, uh, again, I think, you know, for a guy like DeMarco, who's very intelligent, uh, really studies the game, now that this is his full-time profession, you know, I, I don't have classes to go to. I don't have other commitments. I'm not worried about other things. I'm a ball player, period. I think you're going to be able to see him commit to the point where he picks up just, you know, I, I think subtle things in his game. They're going to help him be more effective at that level. But, you know, I, I got to think, you know, most guys are going to struggle initially with the speed of the game and some of those things. But, you know, he's made that transition from high school to App State. He'll make it going to New Orleans as well. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I, I've said time and time again in the last couple of days, outside of the, the two first-round picks that the Saints made, DeMarco was, was my favorite selection just because the little bit that I got to see when he played the Cajuns 
and the the one conversation that I got to have with him at the Sunbelt Championship press conference. I mean, just a, a stand-up kid, and uh, I'm really excited to have him in New Orleans. David Ware has been our guest. David, appreciate you taking the time. Um, I hope this season is, is a little bit better for you guys over in Charlotte. Maybe the, maybe the Panthers will, will win a few more games, figure out a quarterback, and uh, who knows, maybe when football season rolls around, we'll uh, we'll do a preview with you on the Mountaineers. Yeah, well, I'm always happy to talk with you guys, and uh, if any of those things actually come true with the Panthers, I'm going to consider you my personal Santa Claus. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Appreciate you taking the time, David. Y'all have a good one. All right, guys. Take care. David Ware of App State Mania. I could be somebody Santa Claus. You like that, huh? Man! We'll take a time out when we come back. We'll wrap up hour number one and get you set for hour number two. It's crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The LSU Tigers. Welcome in the Nichols Colonels to Alex Box Stadium tonight. You can listen to all the exciting action right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. First pitch, set for 630. The Astros, meanwhile, will be looking to make it two straight against the Mariners tonight at the Juice Box. First pitch is scheduled for 710, and you can hear that game on our sister station, News Talk 98.5. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. James, buddy... Tell tell everybody the, the the story about your touchdown spike because that's hilarious. <laughs> okay, well I brought it up because start start Con- with Bobby Lede. Con- context: the Cajuns game on on Sunday. Bobby Lede hits a hits a home run to make it nine to four, and he bat flips. You're you're down five in the ninth inning. You probably shouldn't bat flip, my guy. Just a thought. I mean, you do you, but but if I was if I was Coach Matt Deggs, I would not be happy with that. So then James proceeds to tell me this story. So this was this was actually last fall. It was funny because UL doesn't check their uh, their their UL IDs, so I still have mine. Even though I'm not a student, so I've been playing flag football for like the last two full years. Oh my god! <laughs> not as a student, just I'm going out there, just go and play. <laughs> yeah, just right. go play. And they're like, "Oh, you got your ID, cool." Uh, so, uh, we played, and we're getting crushed. We're we're, da- we're I think we're down like twenty six zero or thirty to zero. Like we're not coming back, and we're in the second half. F- three four minutes left. We finally score. It's me. I, I'm gone down the middle. Hit me deep. Touchdown. No, nobody near me. And to get the frustrations out, because that's what I was. That's what I was telling you. Was Bobby was probably just getting his frustrations out because he probably hasn't been playing. And this is only a second home run. This was. All, I think this was my second touchdown of the season thus far too. And 
I didn't. I was never told like certain celebrations were penal were worth penalties. And I was like, well, a, a spike is nothing. Everyone does it. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's nothing. It's not like I'm Randy Moss mooning someone. <laughs> like I just did a spike and I see a flag fly right away. I'm like, what? And then I see my teammates like, what the hell are you doing? Why'd you do that? It's like, I'm like, it's a spike. What's wrong? <laughs> I'm, I'm confused I'm, on why I'm, that, I'm why gronk, that's so bad. I'm just gronking it, man. I'm just gronk spiking. What's wrong? I don't I don't understand. We're down anyway. Who cares? That's funny. God, that's so funny. I love intramural sports. I really do. Like, um, I want to win, but we're down 30 to 6 now. You think we're winning? Right. There's right. four minutes left. They cut off at two minutes when you're down 20 or more. The game is over, bro. Why so serious? So Saints news real quick. From everything that I've been able to gather, this is according to Jeff Duncan, the Saints will be playing the Vikings in London in week four, October the 2nd. Problem with that for the Saints is that since it's week four, you can't have your bye right after. Or at least you can have a bye as week six. Also, the Pelicans have announced that all of their floor seats for the 2022-2023 season are officially sold out. Craziness. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two on the other side of this top of the hour sports update. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour two of two, meaning that it's 502 and it's time for you to go home. Congratulations. Good for you. On this Tuesday, you're 40% through your work week. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, crunch time with Miguez and Mesh. James, hour in, hour to go. How you feeling? I'm feeling just fine. I got to ask you, what do, what do you think about Ryan Tannehill's comments to Malik Willis? Or about Malik Willis, should I say? Uh, these, I get it. You still want to be the starter, and you're not at that age where it's like you're a bridge at this point. You're, but like... You, you you've you've been all right in the regular season. You've definitely improved since being traded from Miami. But God, you you suck in the playoffs. Well, not only that. Like, there's a reason why they like they wait till the third round. They could have got him in the first if they really needed him, or they could have gotten him in the second if they really really needed him. But they took Malik Willis, and he's going to be a bridge. And if you underperform again in the playoffs because I get it. AJ Brown's gone. You lost Tulio as well. And now you pretty much only have Traylon Burks and you're going to have to wait a little while for Robert Woods to come back from right. his ACL. But if you suck again in the playoffs or if you don't even make it because the Colts win the division, you got you're done. Well, you see here here's the biggest issue from from my perspective at least. That is 101-N-O in terms of PR. When your team drafts a person in your position to maybe set up a competition, 
some of the first words out of your mouth to the media probably shouldn't be, I don't think it's my job to mentor him. Yeah, it's like, I get it, you, you're you still a starter, but like, y- you have to be self-conscious enough to be like, yeah, I, I gotta I gotta step on my game. It's it's one hundred percent your job to mentor him. You are the vet QB. He's the rookie. That's how the league works. This is his exact quote. That's part of being in a quarterback room in the same room. We're competing against each other. We're watching the same tape. We're doing the same drills. I don't think it's my job to mentor him, but if he learns from me along the way, then that's a great thing. You're 33. You're going to turn 34 at the end of July, so you'll be 34. You're going to be 34 the, when the season starts. Yes, like I'm not going to say you're done after this year, but he also said that he wasn't informed of the team's plans to draft a quarterback. Okay, you see, is I don't it, think is it, I don't think you've earned the right for them to have to tell you everything. Is it is it a courtesy? For them to say, hey, we're probably going to do Absolutely. Are they entitled to? Hell no. They don't have to tell you anything. They could, the Los Angeles Lakers could go to LeBron James and say, hey, we're drafting a small forward and we're going to cut you. And LeBron can't do a dang thing about it. There's nothing he can do. Just like Ryan Tannehill, the fact that they drafted a quarterback, whether he knew that or not, what's him knowing going to change? They're still going to draft a quarterback. That's ridiculous. You haven't done anything to earn the respect with the organization enough to have them tell you that. Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay has. The fact that they didn't tell him that they planned to draft Jordan Love in the first round was a little shady. But what's Tannehill done? Put them in the AFC title game one time and blew it? I mean, the guy hasn't been good. He's been okay in the regular season and then, like you said, just sucks in the postseason. What good is that? That's like saying, oh, I'm a basketball player that scores 40 points a game in the regular season, but the second the playoffs come around, I drop to 10. Like, that doesn't help me. That gets me there, but that doesn't help me win anything. You can't win in the regular season. But again, the the main point of this is that that is horrible PR from a 34-year-old NFL quarterback that's been around the block. That is not the first thing you should probably say when somebody asks you about the team drafting a quarterback. Just my two cents. Poll question of the day is on our Twitter and Facebook page. How do you grade the Saints draft? Is it an A? Is it a B? Is it a C? Is it a D or lower? So far, 53% say B, 47% say A. And then going over to Facebook, we have a comment. We have two comments on the Facebook page, both of them giving a grade of A. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is is fair. 
Um, that is a, a grade that I think is pretty respectable, probably right where it lines up to be. Maybe a B plus, but I wouldn't go much lower than that. I mean, again, we talked about it earlier. You got the wide receiver you wanted. You got a mauler of an offensive lineman. You picked up two key defensive pieces in areas of need. And then you, you got a potential depth piece on the defensive line. Not to mention the 17 undrafted free agents that you signed, including one of them that you are signing to a $208,000 salary. An undrafted... James, have you ever seen that kind of number for an undrafted free agent? That's pretty wild. It is. They definitely have confidence in him. They definitely can see him in a bigger role than you would see most other players that are undrafted. Of course, the Saints are really known for having a lot of undrafted free agents become starters and, and people who really contribute for the team. Yeah. Or at least late, late picks because... Look, Colston, seventh rounder. Was it? Was Lance Lance Moore was undrafted, right? Lance Moore was undrafted. So yeah. was so was Pierre. Pierre was definitely undrafted. Like that. That's just two examples, but like they they've had more that have come out of nowhere and that have been because I remember Drew threw four touchdowns on Thanksgiving to four different undrafted receivers. What do you think about uh, Deontay S- Hardy? Boom, Smoke Monday. I really want to see him make the roster. I really don't want to see Daniel Sorensen make the roster. Do you think that's his real name? Smoke, Smoke Monday? No, that's a nickname. There's no way his real name's Smoke. Well, how do you how do you get the last name Monday? That is a good question. Like that Okay, this has clearly been googled because it says Smoke Monday real name. Quindarius Smoke Monday. Yeah. Quindarius. It's an interesting name. I would change my name to Smoke too. I mean, look at Julio. Julio's not his real name. It's like some some else. Julio Jones? Yeah. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, hold on. Well, that's like haha Clinton Dix. It's hey Sean. Yeah. Julio Jones' real name is Quintoris. Quintoris. L- Lopez Jones. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's intriguing. Didn't I never knew that? Thank you for for teaching me something, James. I would have never known that. So recapping what we talked about in the first hour, Marcus Smart has been ruled out for Game Two against the Bucks, which makes James very sad. Uh, Steve Kerr. While we're on the subject in the NBA, Steve Kerr is telling the Golden State Warriors that they need to prepare for quote the most physical game we'll play all year in game two against Memphis. God, that game once that where do you where do you stand on that Draymond Green ejection? Did you think it was warranted? I mean, he did slap him in the face and then did pull down his jersey. So I, I think if you wouldn't have pulled him to the ground, you'd probably just get a flagrant one. Like, he was trying to say, I'm trying to pull him up. Well, if you're trying to pull him up, why is your hand going down? <laughs> right. Like, I get it. You're only using one hand. And and then also, why are you pulling him up by the jersey? Why are you only using one hand? Like, like why not, you know, if, if you're trying to help him up, why not, like, grab his arms and, like, pick him actually up, help pick him up? Pick him up and, like, 
have like why are you, you go by the armpits? Why are you trying to grab from the 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 front of the jersey? That doesn't make sense. Just not smart, man. It's just not smart. And and then and then your explanation was not great. All around, just a bad situation. Uh, but again, you know, the the Golden State Warriors, their their championship mentality showed through, and they they found a way to get it done. Good teams, good teams know how to do that. They they found a way to to go out and get it done. Quickly, Cajuns softball has a three-game road trip this weekend with ULM looking to clinch the Sunbelt regular season title. And yesterday at the weekly press conference, Coach Jerry Glasgow talked about the importance of his coaching staff checking the RPI. Yeah, I think for us, the RPI is a big factor. You know, I look at it constantly and looking at the different scenarios. And so RPI is a huge factor, especially from a coach's perspective. But I think the player's perspective, <clears throat> we just have to keep learning from what we've already learned this season. That's play this thing one game at a time. And the inexperience of a young ball club showed up greatly in those first 24 games when we started out 16-8. and eight. And now you look down the stretch, you know, we've gone 22-3, and three, and I think we won 16 of our last 17. 16 of your last 17, 22 and 3 over their last 25 to put them in, put them back in the top 25 at a clip of drawing a blank on their record 38 and 11. There it is. 38 and 11. They're on a six game win streak. They're 21 and 5 at home, 13 and 5 on the road. They are 20 and 4 in the Sun Belt Conference. The other thing that Jerry Glasgow talked about. He injured his foot a couple weeks ago, and for the last few weeks, he's been coaching from the dugout. So here's Coach Glasgow on the different perspective that he's getting from the dugout. I don't know. You know, I've really enjoyed uh, seeing the game from a different perspective, and I like sitting in the back of the dugout. I've always did that when we were pitching. I like watching the dugout and seeing, just feeling the game from a distance and a kind of overview of my team. And I, I never did it on offense. But I really enjoyed uh, being in the dugout and watching the emotions of the kids in the dugout. And then, you know, you're not out there thinking about, okay, this is a count to hit and run, this is a count to bunt. Um, you, think, you think of the game pitch by pitch and then one or two pitches ahead when you're coaching third. And when you're in that dugout, you can – take a break from the pitch-to-pitch moments and look at it from an overview of the entire game. Once again, Louisiana will take on Louisiana Monroe this weekend in Monroe, Thursday at 6, Friday at 6, and then Saturday at 2 before the Sun Belt Conference Tournament kicks off next Tuesday in Mobile. Let's take a time out when we return. We'll talk some LSU baseball as they host the Colonels of Nichols at Alex Box before going to Tuscaloosa this weekend for a matchup with Alabama. Crunch time with me guys and Mesh here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. 
May 3rd, 1936. Joe DiMaggio makes his Major League debut for the New York Yankees as he records three hits. The Yankee Clipper would go on to record 2,214 hits in his Hall of Fame career, which saw him win nine World Series titles and three MVPs. That was This Day in Sports History. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you have the opportunity to win some excellent prizes like a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. We want to help you take your lady out for some delicious seafood. Now, you can only win that $50 gift certificate to Half Shell by joining the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. It's crunch time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. The Cajuns and the Tigers and the Colonels doing battle tonight at Alex Box Stadium. LSU riding a... Two out of three against Georgia from the weekend. They sit at 29 and 14, 12 and 9 in the SEC. They are 23 and 6 on the year in the friendly confines of Alex Box Stadium. However, the Colonels of Nichols, no slouch. They are no walk in the park. Uh, they will come in to Alex Box with a 24 and 16 record, 11 and 7 in conference. They are 8 and 6 on the road. Looking at Nichols' statistics, Parker Kodu comes in with a 303 batting average, two home runs, and 13 RBIs. And Edgar Alvarez seems to be their workhorse at the plate, a 300 even batting average. He's got 42 base hits, nine doubles, eight homers, 42 RBIs. He's got a slugging percentage of 536. Very impressive numbers from, from a kid who has played in 39 of their 40 games this season. On the mound, looking, you got Tyler Terrio coming in with a 2.48 ERA, 7-2 on the year. He's pitched 69 innings, 46 hits, 26 runs. He has struck out 47. You got a couple other you know, starters to look at of note. Devin DeSandro. Has struck out 36 on the year. He's got a 4.14 ERA. You've got Nick Heckman. His ERA is a little high, 6.49 in 43 innings of work. However, this Nichols team shouldn't be taken lightly. Uh, the Cajuns lost to them 5-4 to four earlier in the year. And the, the Tigers, they, they've led a couple midweek games, especially against in-state opponents, kind of slip away from them. So tonight's game... Could be a interesting contest between two pretty good in-state baseball programs. Looking at the statistics for the Tigers, Jacob Berry as their average leader at 359. He's got 60 hits, eight doubles, 14 homers, and 43 RBIs. Dylan Cruz right behind him with a 328 average, 13 homers, 45 RBIs. And here's the crazy statistic out of Dylan Cruz. Four triples on the year for the Cruz missile. K. Doty at 327, Trey Morgan 313. LSU, you know, their issue has never been hitting the ball this season. It has been their pitching. 
You know, you look at Blake Money, his ER his ERA is up to four point eight six. Ty Floyd's at four point oh two. Eric Reiselman two point five seven. Your best ERA from guys who have made a, a solid contribution. Samuel Dutton's pitched thirty innings. He's got a two point four zero ERA. He has started six games for the Tigers, walked twelve, struck out twenty three, only ten runs scored against him. It'll be interesting to see how that game goes, how that game works out, because Alabama, you know, the opponent for LSU this weekend, they're a good team. They're not a great team. Uh, they are a team that LSU should be able to win two out of three against, maybe even sweep the series. But Tuscaloosa is a tough place to go play in any sport. Uh, so what kind of environment are the Tigers going to get in Alabama, and can they overcome that? in order to get the victories they need this weekend in order to stay alive in the regional hosting conversation. Transitioning to McNeese now, 29, 25-19, 11-7 in the Southland Conference. They've got a midweek matchup tonight against Stephen F. Austin at Joe Miller Ballpark before staying home this weekend against Northwestern State. They've only played 12 games on the road this year. 12 of their 44 so far have been on the road. They have thoroughly enjoyed playing at Joe Miller Ballpark this season. And today, or yesterday, should I say, Justin Hill, McNeese head coach, spent some time talking about their opponent for tonight, Northwestern State Demons. Northwestern, oh my gosh, man, it's always incredibly competitive playing those guys, whether it's their place, our place, man, we've, we've had extra inning games. We've had 13 inning games. We've had calls reversed to change the game like we did last year. I mean, it's, it's always going to be a fight. You know, that's a credit to Bobby and and what he does. I mean, I know they're, they probably got the best starting pitching in the league for sure. And they always bring it, man. They always bring it. So it'll be a fight this weekend, just like any, any other, just all the rest of them. I mean, we just, you know, just you know sew up the stitches and the cuts and just you know see if you can get the bruising swelling down all that kind of stuff let's go back in for another fight I mean that's just that's what the the year has been McNeese a little bit on a hot streak right now you know they they won since their April 12th game against the Cajuns was canceled they won four straight three against Incarnate Word one against Sam Houston they dropped one to Monroe then they swept Southeastern, dropped another one to Monroe, and then took two out of three against Texas Corpus Christi. So if you get Monroe out of the way, they're reeling right now. And Coach Hill was asked what has had the biggest impact on on their hot streak as of late. And probably the most important part has probably been our, our, our mindset. I think we had external uh, goals and things that we wanted to do and things that we wanted to accomplish. And, you know, when your when your focus is on what you want as opposed to doing what it takes to get what you want, you know, it's kind of like the cart before the horse um, sometimes. And, and we've gotten out to good starts offensively. So, you know, anytime that the, that the game, you can get ahead or you know you're in the game, you know, that, that kind of gives you a chance to, to do special things. I mean, I, I don't think any – uh, one great example of it from a pitching side of it, I thought we did a good job with is we didn't get a whole lot going early on Saturday, but everything that Chance Stone gave up was single runs. And when we only give up, you know, three, 
single runs. Uh, it, it and, and lastly, Coach Hill spent some time in the press conference talking about their opponent for the weekend. Actually, they're playing Northwestern tonight. Stephen F. Austin tonight, excuse me. Their opponent for the weekend is Northwestern. Here's Coach Hill on their opponent for tonight in Stephen F. Austin. Uh, I would say the start, the, as far as the, the, the SFA one, you know, the goal is to get Ty Abraham right back out on the horse. Uh, I think that's the most important thing. He'll get the start tomorrow. You know, I, I know he's still under uh, a limitation from the, the team doc as far as how long he can go and what he can do. I'd rather keep that from a competitive advantage, keep that between us or keep that, keep that to myself. And then just, just go out and get going. You know, you know, we'll probably give Andrew Gonzalez the day off tomorrow. He caught three games over the weekend. It's the first time we've done that, you know, this year. So you probably see Kate Hunter. And so we'll see, you know, kind of how we do the, the rest of it um, tomorrow. But uh, I think it's, you know, with this game, you just got to go play, man. You just got to go keep playing. Six o'clock from the Joe in Lake Charles. First pitch tonight between the Lumberjacks and the Cowboys. Let's take a time out. When we return or here on Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh, we're going to the moon. Brian Lalima of Apollo HOU and Sports Radio 790 will join us. Astros win 3 0 last night. Can they keep it rolling against the Mariners again tonight? Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Had a rough day at work? Got lady problems? Not to worry, because you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to upgrade your experience for downtown rising with the ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience. You can score a pair of VIP passes plus a chance to meet the Cold War kit. Simply register in the Game Rewards Club, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to win those VIP passes for Downtown Rising featuring the Cold War kids on Saturday, June 4th. The ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience is presented by Social Entertainment, Raider Solutions, Louisiana Rage and Cajuns, and The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. It's 5.30 on a Taco Tuesday. The Astros won last night. They've got another one tonight. Altuve's back. They rocked the Space City jerseys. James, where are we taking? Where are we going? Fly me to the moon. That's driven. Miguez and Mesh are ready to launch into all things Houston Astros. Here is To the Moon on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Welcome inside To the Moon on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Mr. Brian Lalima of Apollo HOU. Brian, what's going on, man? Matt, James, how we doing, boys? It's another Taco Tuesday. I'm here for it. The Astros got back on the winning ways or the winning track last night. Looking for another dub tonight. Let's go. Yeah, man. dude, last night, 3 nothing. got all three runs on bombs. I mean, Air Jordan, JP3. Dude, last night was a hell of a game. 
Yeah, the bomb that uh, Jeremy Pena hit was off the 2021 ALCS sign right above the Crawford box. I say right above, but above the Crawford boxes. I mean, the bat speed and hand speed that he showed last night was insane. Yeah, and then, you know, talk about Jake Odorizzi going six and two-thirds, no earned runs. He only struck out three, but I feel like since the last time we've talked, Jake Odorizzi's maybe starting to figure it out. Yeah, since the last time that you and I spoke, and, and James as well, um, Jake Odorizzi, he pitched against the Rangers. He had six innings, one hit, one earned run, and he got the W. Last night, six and two-thirds inning, four hits, no earned runs, only one walk, and three Ks. So between two starts uh, in two weeks, he's only walked, two guys, and allowed one earned run. I I would hope to say that Jake Odorizzi has figured it out. Um, there was a really good article written by one of the Astros beat writers, Brian McTaggart of MLB.com, that I read um, you know, a little bit uh, before this, this segment. And Jake Odorizzi said he had a really nice conversation, a really in-depth conversation, than none other than Justin Verlander. They, they uh, sit next to each other in the clubhouse. And he said the Hall of Famer, Justin Verlander, or future Hall of Famer, I should say, he uh, opened Jake Odorizzi's eyes to a lot of different things. He said he helped with his mindset, his game planning. Uh, He threw a bullpen a couple of days ago, and Alex Bregman watched that bullpen. And even Alex Bregman helped him out and gave him a couple of tips. He didn't really dive into details on what either conversation was. He said he wanted to keep it in the clubhouse. But whatever those guys are saying to him, continue to say to him, because Jake Odorizzi is exactly what the Astros needed in that fifth spot in the rotation. So, yeah, I'd say Jake Odorizzi for the for the last couple of weeks has figured it out. Now let's just hope that he can continue to pitch that way because, man, what a what a fifth person in the rotation to have if Jake Odorizzi can continue to pitch like that. So, Brian, you could say that Verlander and Bregman have, have been the difference makers for him, but I'm going to roll with the fact that you, James, and I need to, need to keep talking about Jake Odorizzi because it seems to be working. Yeah, I think so. I wonder if he, I mean, he has to, right? He's got Twitter. He's got social media. There is no way that my man Jake Odorizzi has not seen the critics, the doubters. Um, I, I wouldn't say that I'm a huge Jake Odorizzi doubter. I just said he needed to figure it out and to, um, you know, pitch to his capability, I, I would say, for the most part. But, uh, yeah, if you want to keep talking about him, then uh, I, I'm, I'm game because he's pitched his ass off the last two weeks. Yeah, no no doubt about it. Brian Lalima of Apollo HOU and Sports Radio 790 in Houston are joining us here on To the Moon. Tonight, Christian Javier, Chris Flexen, you know, what can you tell me about the Mariners pitcher? What does he bring that, that the Astros need to be aware of? Yeah, I think um, with, uh, is, you said Flexen, right? I just want to make sure. Yeah. Flexen, sorry, Chris Flexen. Um, you know, Flexen's a guy that's going to fill it up. This year, he he's, uh, hasn't pitched too bad. I mean, the, the wins, losses, when I was looking at his splits earlier today, I mean, he's 1-3 on the season with a, an ERA below 4, so that's always um, something to look at. But, you know, another thing is he's got 24 innings pitched, so in four games, he's averaging about six innings, so that's, that's what you want out of a starter. Um, you, know, you know, then another thing that you look at is, is walks. Um, he's issued six of them, so... I would say if they're the Astros lineup, force Chris Flexen 
to throw strikes, let him, you know, get and stay in the zone uh, because he does tend to seem to walk a few guys. And if you allow extra hitters on base for the Astros lineup, especially now that Altuve's back, you're going to be in for a, a, a long night. Kyle Tucker's finally finding, finding his stride. Um, Chaz McCormick struggled a little bit last night, you know, but he, he swung it well. Michael Brantley had a couple of hits. Obviously, we saw the big-time bomb from uh, Jordan Alvarez and, and Jeremy Pena. And then Altuve's going to look to get going. So, yeah, I would say if you're the Astros, make Chris Flexen throw strikes. Now, you, you hit on Altuve, and I know he spent some time hurt and rehabbing with with the Space Cowboys. But looking at his splits in the MLB, he's 6-for-39 with a home run, three RBIs, and a 154 batting average. How long do you think it takes him to, to get going now that he's back in the lineup? I, I You know, with, with Altuve, all it takes is one. Um, I mean, we've seen it for so many years. There have been times where people are like, man, Jose Altuve is struggling. He's in a slump. And then you get one of those little choppers on the infield, and he legs out an infield single. And next thing you know, he's hitting 400 for the month of May. I mean, we've seen that over a couple of seasons. I don't, see, I don't think it takes much to get him going. But I think really what you want to see is just better at-bats from him. Let him get into a, uh, a groove and let him get into to the routine. Obviously, like you said, you know he's coming back from – uh, playing with the Space Cowboys, he was hurt a little bit. Maybe that's just what the doctor ordered, so to speak, is that he goes and he gets some minor league at-bats, gets the confidence back in, gets back into this lineup, finds the groove, and he takes off. So to answer your question, I don't think it takes much. and I, I wouldn't – I would say the next couple of games, you know, uh, we could see him really pick back up uh, where, you know, where Jose Altuve left off. Not what we saw early in the year, but really what we've come to know with Altuve and how he just, I mean, he goes and the Astros go. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect it to take more than a week for him to, to kind of, you know, to finally fall into this lineup and, and really get back to what we know from Jose Altuve. Chatting with Brian Lalima from Apollo HOU. All right, Brian, after tonight and tomorrow, you got a three game, a four game set with the Detroit Tigers at, at Minute Maid Park. What do you think it's going to be like having AJ Hinch back in Minute Maid as the manager of the opposing team? So last year he came back and he got the ovation that he deserved. A.J. Hinch did so many good things here for the Houston Astros. Um, him and Jeff Luno both. Now, obviously, we know what happened with the, with the trash cans and the sign stealing and, and all that stuff and how both were, were fired and this and that and, you know, whatever. But as far as a manager, uh, A.J. Hinch did great things uh, for for this organization and for this group that is still pretty much here, so I would expect um, you know the same ovation, the same cheers. Everyone, I think here in Houston, I, I probably speak for the majority, still love AJ Hinch. Um, welcoming him back is one thing, but then when it comes to in between the lines, AJ Hinch is one of the best managers in all of baseball, and, and he will continue to be. And he's got a good, solid young group in Detroit. They owned the Astros last year. Um, I think they won both series that they played against the Astros, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have that pulled up in front of me, but it's going to be a battle. I mean, this, this Tigers team is good. Obviously, they got Miguel Cabrera still on the team. Um, he's still swinging it as better, uh, as good as anyone. Um, they've just got a young, exciting core, just like the Astros had when A.J. Hinch came to Houston. He had a young uh, and exciting group of players, and look what he did um, in 2015 making the playoffs. 2016 was a little bit of a down year. 27, they won it, and then the rest is history, 2018, 2019 you know, ALCS and then a, another World Series appearance. So I would expect 
his club to come in ready to go, and he'll he'll come in and they'll punch the Astros in the mouth early like they did last year. It's how how are you going to punch back? So they're going to be ready to go, and and they're they're going to give the Astros everything they can handle and more. Now looking at the season as a whole, you played twenty three games already. You're about a month or so into the year, Brian. I'm probably going to ask you this once a month. Give me give me your MVP of the team for the month of April. Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, man, you're putting me on the spot. I, I would say, I, I, so so when we get towards when we get towards the end of April, I'm trying to think. Man, it's it's uh, Bregman's probably up there. Chaz McCormick might be up there. He swung it well. Uh, Michael Brantley, but. You know what? As far as offense concerned, let's throw that out the window. I think it's Justin Verlander. Um, yeah. I'm going to give it to Justin Verlander just because he's coming off of Tommy John. He's 39 years old, and he's returning right back to form. And there were a couple of outings that he had where the Astros were suffering losses on the day prior, ugly losses, and you needed your veteran pitcher, your veteran arm, to come in and stop the stop the bleeding, so to speak. And that's exactly what Justin Verlander does. And that's what he's always done. And the simple fact that Justin Verlander is sitting 96 to 98 on his fastball a year or so removed from Tommy John, I mean, that's incredible. And the fact that he's 39 years old, I would say it's Justin Verlander's the MVP so far in April. Is Jeremy Pena an early candidate for for AL Rookie of the Year? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. If he can hit I would say if he can hit right around 250 or maybe even get up to 260 with 25 bombs, he's going to be right there in the running of Rookie of the Year. So, And I don't think 25 bombs is out of the question for him. I mean, I, I think the most underrated part of his game is his power. There was, there was some talk when we were at spring training with Apollo H.O. You were talking to some of the Astros minor league hitting coaches, and they said the concern – uh, which are not concerned, but one of the things that kind of sticks out is he's a gap-to-gap guy. Well, <laughs> we've seen that, and we've seen more. We've seen a lot of power from Jeremy Pena. So if he can hit 25 bombs, let's say 20 bombs, hit 20 bombs, hit right around 250, 260, yeah, he'll be right up there for Rookie of the Year. I love it. I love it. Astros and Mariners in the juice box. 7-10 first pitch tonight. Brian Lalima of Apollo HOU has been our guest. Brian, man, appreciate you taking the time each and every week. Uh, enjoy tonight's game as well as this weekend's games, and uh, we'll recap it all next week, my friend. Hey, we got a day game tomorrow, so if you uh, you and James want to drive on over, we got you, okay? I, I wish. <laughs> I wish. I appreciate it, guys. Love it every Tuesday. Appreciate you, Brian. Y'all, I'll take care. Talk to you later. Tune in next week for another edition of To the Moon here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. We'll take a time out. When we come back, we'll update the poll question and wrap up your Taco Tuesday. Right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Yep. Yep. Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Today. 
is the day that you sign up for the game clubhouse 1037thegame.com 1041thegame.com not only is it free but you will get the chance to enter to win tremendous gifts like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's the only way you can win that is by coming becoming a member of the game clubhouse once again 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com so go sign up today Matt Miguez, James Mesh, crunch time with Miguez and Mesh. Got about five minutes left in today's show. James, I found something intriguing that I want to discuss with you. Funny enough, I did too. Oh, you, go ahead. You go first. Mine is about the Browns getting ready to hire Catherine Reich, I guess I could say. Okay. R-A-I-C-H-E. Okay. Uh, they plan to hire her as an assistant GM. So she would be the first woman to be in a major role. Wow. In the, in the office. Good for them. Good for her. Yeah. That's fantastic. I like that. I do. I like that as well. Here's what I want to talk to you about. I've got some some numbers on NFL rookies and their compensation. Okay. Trayvon Walker is going to make $6.8 million in his rookie oh, year. Oh, yeah. Let me see. Where is it? Uh, yeah, number one pick, Trayvon Walker, four-year rookie contract, fully guaranteed and included a $24.4 million bonus. Oh, my God. Jags to give Walker $37.4 million. Oh, my God. Derek Stingley is going to make $6.3 million as a member of the Houston Texans in year number one. That is, wow, that is absurd. Okay. Interesting. LSU Tigers have released their starting lineup for their matchup with Nichols tonight, which you can hear pregame in about five minutes. Josh Pearson is going to bat first and play right field. Dylan Cruz will be in center. He'll bat second. Jacob Berry at third will bat third. Kay Doty at second will bat fourth. Trey Morgan at first. He'll bat fifth. Jordan Thompson at shortstop will bat sixth. At seventh is your designated hitter, Braden Jobert. Eighth is your catcher, Tyler McManus. Ninth is your left fielder, Josh Stevenson. And your pitcher tonight is Bryce Collins. All right, James, LSU baseball, Astros baseball. You've got some NBA playoffs. I know you're excited about your Celtics. I'm excited about my Washington Capitals in the first round of the NFL and HL playoffs. Mm -hmm. What else are you excited about tonight in the sports world? In the sports world, man. Or just in general, if there's something else going on in life that you're excited about, talk about that too. Well, I don't necessarily have anything like super exciting going on tonight, but I did see Jameis was trending. So that intrigued me, and I looked on it, and I do know there have been a couple of uh, people on Facebook and Twitter that are that are hating on the LASIK laser, and I found this that interesting. So highest pass passing touchdown per attempt rate in 2021 mm-hmm. minimum 150 attempts russell wilson had 6.3 it's not bad okay joe burrow had 6.5 matt mm-hmm. stafford at 6.8 aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers seven flat okay guess what james had seven and a half eight point seven percent wow so how you like that? That's how you how you like that, James. You Sanders. like that? You like that? Shout out, Kirk Cousins. Not not so heinous, Jameis. Am I right? 
Not so heinous, Jameis. Man, everybody thinking that Jameis is going to be a problem. Relax. The man's played seven games in a Saints uniform. And three years ago in Tampa, if he doesn't throw 30 picks, he's probably in the MVP conversation. So, let's not even worry about that. The guy's going to be just fine. Once again, LSU baseball at Nick, playing Nichols tonight. You got the NBA playoffs. Astros playing the Mariners. We're going to have plenty to talk about tomorrow here on Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh. It's going to be a hoot at Wednesday. Might have a Tyron Matthew press conference to dive into tomorrow afternoon. So, for James Mesh, I want to thank our guests, David Ware and Brian Lalima, for joining us. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, give a hug to your mom and them, especially this week. It's Mother's Day coming up soon. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll see y'all tomorrow.